0: Ernest Hemingway wrote a short story called The Capital City. And in that story, which takes place in Spain, it's a story about a father and his son and that they don't get along with one another. They're having all kinds of issues with each other. And finally, the the son decides that, whose name is Paco, decides he's going to leave and go to the capital city of Spain to Madrid and get away from his dad and all the control and be a matador like he wants to be and all the things that are going on as he looks at it. The father is, is truly upset and concerned at what's going on and, and wants to in fact, be reconciled, to find some way to be right together. And so he follows his son to Madrid and goes there and he takes out an ad in the paper. It's just a simple ad and it, it just simply says that Paco, I love you and I forgive you. And if you will come, I want to come see you and, and get reconciled with you, to be right with you, if you'll meet me at the newspaper office at noon tomorrow. Well, Hemingway goes on to write that it, the next day at noon at the, the newspaper office, 800 people named Paco <laughs> show up, <laughs> all wanting forgiveness, all looking to be reconciled. We all need to be forgiven. We all need reconciliation in our lives. It's something that we know and that we need. And one of the great statements of Christ, we're the most profound example, the most profound reality of forgiveness is found is, is when he's on the cross and I just want to read the, that first part of that verse in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 and, and just think about that with us for a few moments today about forgiveness about what it means and how you and I have experienced it in Christ but because of that experience in our own lives how we are to be a people of forgiveness and how it ought to be a part of our character, a part of all that we are together. So if you would stand with me again, just the first portion of Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He's on the cross, he's between those two criminals, and the scripture says, but Jesus was saying, that's an interesting phrase there, because it's the idea that he's repeating this. It's not just once that he says this, but in the process of his crucifixion, and all that he's doing, he was saying, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we come to this time in which we just pause for a few moments and reflect upon your word and and what it says to us, what you want us to learn and understand about being your people, I pray that you would help us to hear and understand those great words that you've offered to us of forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ. We know that as he looked from the cross that certainly he was speaking to those that were the priests who had been so adamantly against him, to those soldiers who had mocked him and beat him and actually nailed him to the cross, to the crowds that had one moment celebrated him and then the next turned against him and all the things that were going on. But we also know that because of who he is, as God, that he was looking to me and to all of the people of the world and saying, forgive them. And I pray, Father, today that we have understood that. And in each of our lives, we've come to that place where we've accepted your forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. But, Father, so often, as your people, we fail to be forgiving ourselves. And I pray today you just remind us of the responsibility that we have because we're yours to be a people of forgiveness. And I'm going to pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You may, you may be seated you know as we think about this the, when understand this we need to first of all remind ourselves of our great need of forgiveness Now, I know that's not popular in the world in which you and I live. Most people want to uh, not talk about sin. They want to uh, somehow ignore sin. We give it different names. We say we made a mistake or we just messed up or we did something else. We do all kinds of things to avoid the reality that we have sinned and that we've done something. Or maybe we just completely deny the whole possibility of sin and just say that's not something that's real. It's not something that needs to be dealt with in our lives. But the Bible makes it very clear that sin is real. And that it has affected all people at all, in all times as we look at it. And as we see that and understand that in Psalm 53, the scripture teaches us that there is none that are righteous. No one who seeks after righteousness at all. What we look at, Isaiah 64 teaches us that all of our righteousness is but filthy rags and our iniquities chase us away like the wind because they're so full in our lives as we look at them and as we understand them. Of course, Romans 3 reminds us that no one seeks after righteousness and goes on to say that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, that we've all sinned. There's none that have not sinned as we look at it. 1 John 1.10 then goes on to remind us, if we say that we have no sin, then we have no truth within us. All people have sinned. Whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, or whether we even deny the existence of sin, it doesn't matter. The scripture makes it very clear, God makes it very clear, that all people have have sinned except for one, and his name is Jesus Christ the only one that lived without sin as we look at it and so we need to accept that and realize that first of all that all of us have sin in our lives we've all sinned we continue to sin unfortunately even after we accept christ as our savior we continue to seek to do it our way rather than god's way we still put ourselves first we keep doing things that we know don't please god and the things that were there we're sinners it's it's what goes on but the bible says that jesus christ came in order that we might have our sins forgiven. And so even though all of us need sin, we need to understand, I think, this morning and remind ourselves more than anything else that God is the initiator of forgiveness. He started forgiveness. He prayed for forgiveness and gave it to us from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. It was God who sought out Adam and Eve and, in that, and sought to forgive them of their sin and provide them a, skin, a covering of grace in order that they might be forgiven by the work that was there. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament was God providing a means by which people could come before God and ask for God's forgiveness and accept the forgiveness that, that God has made available to them as they looked at it. As you go through out the book of Leviticus, or if you go through all the Old Testament, you'll find over and over again a system by which God says, you can come before me and I will accept your offering, You're asking of forgiveness, and I will forgive you of your sins and the things that are going on and being a part of it as we look and as we see and understand God is in the business of forgiving and being a part of it Psalm 103 tells us that God's love allows him to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west and you know and I know that that means that they can't meet one another, that, that it's, it's gone as we look at it and as we understand that. Isaiah 43 tells us about God remembering our sins no more as He forgives us of our sins and the things that are going on. We find in Romans 5:8 that God demonstrated His love to us and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 reminds us that God made him, talking about Jesus Christ, to be sin in order that you and I might be clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ as we look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 tells us that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now that's a great act of of compassion and of forgiveness because, see, we sinned against God. God didn't sin against us. We were the ones who needed to be made right with God. We were the ones that ought to be pleading with God for forgiveness and asking for a space. And yet God took the initiative, the Bible says, and He put Himself in Christ Jesus to come to us that He might do what was necessary for us to be reconciled to Him, for us to be made right with Him. He loves us so much that He didn't want that fellowship to remain broken that we had, but rather He wanted to be healed, and He provided the means of healing. And that's what the whole process of Christ on the cross is about providing that step that act of God that allows us to be forgiven that allows us to receive what God has extended to us in his son Jesus Christ as we look at that forgiveness we need it and God initiates it to us that we might experience it that we might have it that we might know it and as Christ hung on the cross he asked his father to forgive us to do what he's dying to happen. See, the reason he's there is so we can be forgiven. And he doesn't ask for justice. He doesn't say, God, these people have treated me wrongly. I've given them everything. I've loved them with all that I am. I've poured out my life for them. Here I've been beaten. I've been mocked. I've been in every way humiliated. God, I demand justice. And he had every right to ask for justice for us. But he didn't. He said, forgive them. Forgive them because they don't understand the depth of their sin. The reality of what it is as they dealt with it. So we ask that. So, so we understand that, that sin is real and that all of us are sinners. And we understand that, that God has initiated an act of forgiveness, done something that we couldn't do for ourselves in order that you and I might experience the forgiveness that we so desperately need in our lives. But what does that mean for you and for me today? If we truly have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, if we've called upon Him and acknowledged Him as our Savior, we've accepted that forgiveness that He's offered to us freely by grace, and he's coming to our lives and he's cleansed our hearts. He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. And all the things that we could go on and talk about, this great sin that has been removed from us, the guilt, the penalty of this sin, those who are in Jesus Christ no longer know that they have no condemnation because of what God has done in Christ Jesus. What does that mean for us? How is that supposed to affect our lives? But well, I think according to Scripture, what you and I need to understand and what needs to happen in our life is that because we have been forgiven, we have a responsibility to be forgivers. We, don't, we really can't be anything less and be right with God. If we don't walk in forgiveness, if we don't forgive freely one another, then we will be continually out of fellowship with God, and we need to understand that. We have to be forgivers. Now, it's not easy. I'm not standing here to tell you it's easy to forgive people. Some people, it almost seems like it's impossible to forgive. But that doesn't matter. If we're, jo- if we're truly God's children, we have a responsibility to forgive one another and to forgive others as we look at it. And that's what I want to spend our focus on this morning more than anything else as we look at it, that, that we as God's people are to be forgiven. We, we say this model prayer every Sunday morning. And in that, we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts The word is a word that really is talking about our sins Forgive us our sins In the same way as we forgive others That's what that little word as means That we are to forgive We're praying God, Jesus taught us to pray And we pray that prayer every morning God forgive me my sin In the same manner in which I forgive those who sin against me Do we really mean that? Do we really want people to forgive us the way that we've forgiven them? Because most of us don't forgive very easily. Most of us are holding grudges. Most of us are bitter. Most of us have things in our lives that we're not willing to let go. We're not about to forgive somebody. They've hurt us or someone we love too deeply to ever let go of that pain and that's going on. And yet we'll sit here in church and we'll say, Father, forgive me in the same manner. I don't want to be forgiven in the same manner I've been forgiven. I want the grace of God. I want God to forgive me as only God can forgive me. But because he has forgiven me, because he has worked in my life and and done a work of grace so amazing in my life, I want to learn how to forgive. I want to learn how to let forgiveness flow from my life and to move into the lives of those who have offended me or hurt me or whatever even goes deeper than that as we'll see in just a moment as we look and as we see. You'll remember in Matthew 18, Peter goes to uh, Jesus and he says, How many times should we forgive someone? Seven times? Pretty proud of himself. Jesus says, No, 70 times seven. And then he tells him a parable. He says, there was a king, had some servants, and one of these two servants, he, the king decided he's going to call in all that was owed to him. So this servant comes in and he owes the king so much that he could never pay it back. If he gave everything that he had for the rest of his life, he still wouldn't have paid back all that he owed. He couldn't do it. It's an impossibility to pay back. It's a debt he could not pay. And yet he pleaded, knowing he couldn't couldn't pay it back, and the king knew he couldn't pay it back, and yet he pleaded with the king and said, just give me a chance. I'll I'll do all I can. I'll get you paid back. Well, even knowing that wasn't true, the king decided to forgive him all of his debt completely. Wiped it clean. And then he goes on to say, that debtor, that debtor, one, that servant who had just been forgiven such a great debt, went out and found a fellow servant who owed him something, and it was a reasonable debt. It was a debt that he could pay back, and that, that servant said to him, just give me some more time. I'll get you paid back. I will. And it was possible. He could. It was, a, it was feasible. It was something that was, he could have done. But that one who had just been forgiven such a huge debt that he could not pay back, instead had this one who had a debt that he could pay back thrown into prison until he did pay him back. I've never quite understood that if you're in prison, how you're supposed to make the money to pay it back, but anyway, that's beside the point, but he he couldn't pay it back. He put him in jail. Well, word got back to the king that this man who had just been forgiven a debt beyond imagination, freely, had chosen not to forgive a debt that was owed him that could be repaid. And he had, the Bible says he had him cast into prison. Because of his unwillingness to forgive. You see, when you and I are unwilling to forgive, it gives evidence of the fact that very possibly we've never really experienced forgiveness ourselves. We may call ourselves Christians. We may say that we have a walk with God. But if we are unwilling to forgive, it means that we have yet to experience that forgiveness in our own heart. We don't know and understand forgiveness. The scripture goes on to say in another passage in Luke 17 that there uh, one is asking Jesus about something and you'll remember a woman came and anointed Jesus with a great love and he asked a question and Jesus asked that man a question. Who loves more, the one who's forgiven much or the one who's forgiven little? And the man responds to Jesus by simply saying, well, I would think the one who's been forgiven much would have a greater sense of gratitude, a greater sense of love than the one that's little. And Jesus says, you've answered right. The more we understand, the more we are conscious of what great, forgiveness God has poured into our lives, the more we realize how amazing is the love of God toward us who are sinners, can we then begin to love Him the way He wants us to love Him and to love one another the way we ought to love one another. When we know that we have been forgiven, when we understand the depth of God's forgiveness in our life, when we recognize that we have no right to be forgiven, that we deserve none of the forgiveness of God, none of the love of God, And yet God has taken the initiative and moved into our lives and forgiven us of our sins and made us His very children, brought us into His family. Then we need to recognize that we are to be a people who more than any other people of the world understand that people need to be forgiven. None of us are perfect. and We've all offended others. We all need not only God's forgiveness, but most of us in our lives would have to say, if we were honest, we need the forgiveness of a lot of other people, because of things that we've done, things that we've said, things that we've failed to do, that we said we would do. All kinds of reasons. We need forgiveness. And when we live under the burden and under the guilt of of unforgiveness, it it affects the way we live. It affects our lives. It affects our joy, our peace, and all that we are. And we struggle with life and the significance of life because we can't let go. And oftentimes what we can't let go of most is not so much our need to be forgiven as it is that we need to forgive someone else, and we're not willing to forgive them. We, We want them to suffer. We want them to be punished. We want them to get what we believe they deserve to get for whatever they did. We can't stand the idea of forgiving the way that we ought to forgive and yet the Bible makes it clear that we're to be forgivers as we look at that and understand that and see that as we come together and deal with that. Ephesians chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3 repeat the same thing of of the prayer that we talked about earlier that we are to forgive in the same manner in which we have been forgiven. Now God forgave us completely. He doesn't hold something in a corner so he can bring it up every once in a while to say to us, I knew you weren't really true. I knew you wouldn't do what I asked you to do. I knew you weren't the kind of person that you said you would be. I knew you didn't really accept my grace and my forgiveness. That's what we do. That's not what God does. God forgives us completely and deals with us in that way as we look at it and as we see together that we are to be that. And Romans 12, 8 tells us that we are to be, to do everything that we can do be at peace with one another. So that puts the responsibility on me. I'm to be at peace with you, and I'm to make every possible effort that I can make to be at peace with you. Everything that I can do, whatever it takes to be at peace with you. Now, I'm not accountable for whether you accept my offer of of forgiveness or whether you become peaceful with me or whatever. I can't control your attitude and your thoughts, but I have a responsibility as a child of the living God to make every possible effort I can make to be at peace with you. And to be at peace with you, there must be forgiveness in our lives. There must be trust in our lives. There must be the ability to put aside those things that have separated us, have called us to have a need of reconciliation, and I must do what the Scripture says do everything that I can to be at peace with my brothers and sisters. in Christ, as we deal with it and as we understand the reality of what's going on and being a part of it, forgiveness is important. In fact, it's so important. Remember I mentioned that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, reaching out to us even though we should be the ones reaching out to him. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 5 as Jesus is teaching that Sermon on the Mount that if we come to the church and we have an offering and we go to the altar to leave our offering there and we realize while we're doing that, it's brought to our attention, the Holy Spirit brings conviction into our lives that we have something against someone else or someone else has something against us that we're to leave our gift at the altar and first go get right with that person and then come and present the offering and in, in worship and things. First, get right. That's what Scripture, that's what Jesus taught. Is that we have a responsibility to take the initiative, to be the ones who go and seek to be right with a person. It doesn't matter whether they hurt me or whether I hurt them. It's not the issue. As a Christian, we're not to wait for someone who hurt me to come and seek forgiveness and then to be so gracious to say, oh, well, yeah, I forgive you. No, if I am a Christian and I understand that someone has done something against me or that I have done something against them, it doesn't matter which, which way it happens. I am to take the responsibility, the initiative to be the first to go and get right with them to do whatever I can. Now again, I can't be responsible for their attitude. I can't be responsible for their action. But I am obligated before God in grace to be the one who initiates every act of forgiveness. Every time God puts it in my heart that there's someone that I'm not right with, I need to be the one that goes to that person and tries to get right with them. I need to be the one who initiates forgiveness. I need to be the one who initiates the desire to have forgiveness. Whatever it may be, it's on my shoulders. It's on me as a child of God to be the one who takes that responsibility seriously. Why? Because God first... Came to me and sought reconciliation with me, even though I'm the one who did wrong. He sought to be right with me and he made it possible to be right with me through his son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross of Calvary. Bill Watterson, in in one of his cartoon characters, Hobbes, has Hobbes speaking to his friend, his, his tiger friend, as he, as he did, Calvin, who is Tiger's Hobbes, and he's telling Hobbes, I, I, I really feel bad that I called Susie some bad names, and you know, I'm sorry that I did it. And his tiger friend Hobbs says, Well, maybe you ought to go apologize. And Calvin responds by saying, Well, I've thought about it, but I was kind of hoping there might be another solution. That's how we are. We know we need to apologize. We know we need to offer forgiveness. We know we need to seek forgiveness we just keep hoping something will happen so that we don't ever have to deal with it. So that we don't ever have to actually forgive that person or ask them to forgive us. See, forgiveness is not saying it, what you did didn't matter. It's not saying that it... It didn't hurt because it did matter, and it did hurt. Or we wouldn't need forgiveness. If it doesn't matter, there's no reason to ask for forgiveness. If there's no, if it doesn't matter, if it, it did, if, it, if we act as though it didn't even happen, then then obviously it was no need to be forgiven. But it did happen, and it did hurt, and it does matter. And so forgiveness is not trying to somehow say, let's just pretend that nothing went on, nothing happened, and just do the best that we can. That always leaves a wedge between us and that individual because forgiveness was never dealt with the way that it needed to be dealt with. See, genuine forgiveness means that I do all that is possible for me not to pretend that it didn't happen, not to just say that it doesn't matter and just to try to act as though life is going on like it always has gone on, but it means that I've done everything I possibly can do in order to, by choice of my moral will, to be able to say to that individual that I am able to put this aside in such a way that it will never stand between me and you in our relationship. See, as long as it's there, even if I say I forgive, but I haven't really genuinely forgiven, most of us forgive with the attitude that, yeah, I'll forgive you now, but I'll just wait until the next time. It's going to happen again. And when it happens, I'm going to be able to say I told you so. I knew you didn't really mean that you were sorry. I knew you weren't going to really change. I knew you weren't going to do what you said you were going to do. And we hold it over their head. And it stays as a wedge in our relationship for all the days of our life because we're unwilling to let it go and let God have it in such a way that I can look you straight in the eye and be able to say to you that you and I have the same kind of relationship that we had before because I will not, I choose not to. Let this barrier be what I see you through for the rest of my life. God removes that from me so that I can see you in the same way God sees me, as one forgiven, as one in relationship that we want to have together in the things that are there. It's not easy. I'm not standing here today trying to tell you it's easy to forgive someone, especially to truly forgive someone. I'm not telling you it's easy to seek forgiveness. Because I can't say that, at least from my own personal experience. It's not easy to forgive. It's easy to carry grudges. It's easy to hold on to bitterness. It's easy to hold on to those things that we can use as, a, as tools in the future so that we can say, I knew, yeah, I knew, I gave you the chance, but I never really believed anything was different. That's not forgiveness. But it's easy. It's not easy to go to someone that I've wronged, someone that I've spoken wrongly about or I've done something or I failed to do something that I said that I would do, whatever the case may be. It's not easy to go to them and say, I'm at fault. I blew it. But would you forgive me? Would you give me another chance? Would you just somehow allow your heart to reach down into the depths of its being and just offer me forgiveness and acceptance once again so that nothing interferes, nothing changes who we are together. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for God to pour out the wrath of holiness and righteousness and justice on his son as he made him to become sin my sin and your sin and to pour out all the judgment that had to be paid for him to be a righteous God a holy God but he did because his desire has always been that we would be right with him that we would have a relationship with him That we'd be able to understand the blessedness of being a child of the living God. And so he forgave us. Or at least he extended forgiveness to us. We only get that if we accept it. But it's there, it's real, it's available if we take it. And then, having taken it, I become responsible to be one who forgives even as I have been forgiven. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to gather together in your house among your people. To be able to sing praises to you, to be able to exalt in the wonder of who you are and just to give all the wonder and glory to you that you deserve. To be able to witness the joy of being together in the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ as we worship together. To be able to just see the images of worship that come whether it's through the lighting of the candles or the sharing in communion whether it's in the sharing of prayer requests or joys that we have and all the different things that we do what a joy and a wonderful thing that it is but sometimes God if we're not careful we miss the full wonder and joy of those moments because in our heart we're harboring a bitterness a grudge there's a person that we've refused to forgive. There's something we've done that we've refused to seek forgiveness. We know that if we come to you and ask you for forgiveness, that you've promised that if we will confess our sin, that you'll hear our prayer, you'll forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we also need the forgiveness of one another. And so, Father, I pray that act of forgiveness, that characteristic of forgiveness, Father, is one of the great manifestations of Christ's likeness that ought to be a part of our lives. And so this morning I pray, Father, that first and foremost that everyone here in this place and anyone listening in, watching by Facebook or whatever means there may be, that if they don't genuinely know what it is to be forgiven by you, if they've never truly accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life and received that forgiveness that makes all the difference in eternity, that this might be the moment that they would just accept the reality, I'm a sinner, I need to be forgiven. And I give myself to Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life, seeking His forgiveness in my own life. But Father, I pray as well for those of us who have in our lives things that have not been forgiven or we've not been forgiven for because either we haven't confessed them to you and given them to you and sought your forgiveness or because we have someone that we're unwilling to forgive in our life or someone that we're too proud to go ask for forgiveness. But it's a barrier, that lack of forgiveness. It's, it's eating away at our heart, at our soul. It's destroying the joy, the peace that should be ours. The relationships that we want are not all they could be and should be because there's that barrier, that wedge that has been driven between us. And it can only be removed when we genuinely seek forgiveness or offer forgiveness or both, whatever the case may be. So in these moments of invitation, Father, you invite us to you, first of all, to receive your forgiveness, and you invite us to you in order to give us the strength and the ability to seek and offer the forgiveness that we ought to to one another, and I pray that we will adhere to your desire, that we will yield to your work in our life, that we'll do what you've asked us to do, and I pray that in Christ's name, amen.